Well, hello there, and welcome again to the Cotton Companion Podcast, brought to you by the editors of Cotton Grower Magazine. We are happy to be talking to you again. We, um, I should acknowledge that we are about a week late in bringing this episode of the Cotton Companion to you. I apologize, but it has not been uh, for idle hands that we didn't bring this thing to you. We have been swamped, as we like to be this time of year. We produced our November issue and then dove immediately into working on our Cotton Grower Annual, which you all should be receiving uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Today is, what is today? November 16th. And so by the end of this month, you should start seeing that special edition, the Cotton Grower Annual, which is our look back at the year that was in cotton production in the U.S. It's a pretty, pretty sharp issue. I am plum proud of it uh, as my fellow Cotton Companion Jim Stedman should be. Jim's here with us today. Good morning, everybody. So we have been working on that. As soon as we got done with that, it was time to produce our December issue, which we have just wrapped up. And man, we are catching our breath, but happy to join you this morning with the Cotton Companion podcast. So please forgive us for being a week late. We um, we got a bunch to talk to you about today. Um, I know that you guys are largely wrapping things up out there in the Cotton Belt. I actually just went home over the over the weekend, back home to the Mississippi Delta for a wedding, and noticed you know most of the fields are are picked there. There's a few modules laying out on the turn row, but but for the most part, things are to the gin, and, and folks are wrapping up, getting ready for deer season, as am I, uh, here in a couple of weeks. So I don't want to step on Jim's gym. Are we talking crop progress during your news segment? We are indeed. Okay, so I won't go too far into that. I apologize if I did just step on your toes there. Um, as I say, we got an action-packed show. Those of you who are familiar with the Cotton, Podca- Cotton Companion podcast, Know that we uh, we lead off with Jim leading us in a uh, discussion of the latest news to hit the cotton industry. Jim is our field editor and online editor, and he keeps up with the headlines every day as part of his online activities. So he is well placed to lead us in a discussion of the news of our industry. After that, we got a couple of interviews we want to bring you. It's a little bit of a different episode today. We are uh, bringing you. Uh, the first of our text and expert interviews, which uh, those of you who have been following along know that this is a new sort of uh, program that we are happy to be taking part in. We want you guys to be texting us your on-farm problems that you encounter uh, on your operation, and we will facilitate those to a expert in your area or in the topic of the text that you send us. And then we're going to produce those in the magazine and online and here in the podcast. So we will uh, explain more about that when we get to that portion of today's episode. After that, we have a great interview lined up with Mr. Bill Robertson, who uh, formerly of the National Cotton Council. He now works with Arkansas Extension, but he still helps the council in their production of the Beltwide Cotton Conferences, which are coming up uh, before you know it here at the beginning of the year. And so we talked with Bill about the state of uh, Beltwide, about what's going to be going on down in New Orleans at the first of this year, and uh, we hope that you will listen in and, and maybe decide to join us down there uh, in the Big Easy around the first of the year. So, as you can plainly see, we have a bunch to get into today. Um, so we are going to dive right in. We want you to stick around through this brief break, and we will join you again with the news on the flip side. Mm-hmm. 
Cotton Grower Magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Since 1970, Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed. Welcome back, everyone. Um, as, as Beck mentioned, we've been taking a look and trying to keep our, our fingers on the pulse of things that are happening in the cotton market or things that are impacting the cotton market. And of course, the first thing that comes to mind in everybody's mind at this point is what the heck is going to happen with cotton prices? Uh, and there's so many factors, obviously, involved in, in determining that price. Uh, USDA released its November WASDE report, which basically stands for the November World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimates. Uh, that was released within the past week. And it's one of, those, one of those monthly reports that the market tends to look at to try to gain any kind of indication of what, uh, what may be happening with price, what may be happening with uh, mill use, and what may be happening with consumption. Uh, quite honestly, after, after talking to, uh, to some of the economists and reading some of the, the other information that uh, are reactions to the market, quite honestly, there wasn't much in this report to, uh, to make any kind of move or have any impact on the cotton markets. So let's just take a quick look at, at some of the highlights in that. Um, some of the economists are saying that this, this report may offer a little bit of support for prices, but little in the way of, of, conti of any type of price direction for the market. Uh, they're looking at the numbers as basically being neutral, maybe just a tad bullish, which uh, is always a, a positive indicator. Uh, the U.S. crop estimate, uh, finally, after, uh, after going through and, and looking at, uh, at the last couple of months and also taking into, indicate, into consideration uh, some of the flooding problems and other issues we've been having in the Carolinas, uh, production the U.S. crop estimate was lowered just slightly. Basically, uh, you know, I think it was basically lowered a little over 200,000 200, bales. Uh, but no other real changes were made for the U.S. Uh, our exports remain projected at about uh, 10.2 million bales for the year. Uh, projected world production, however, was lowered uh, just by uh, about 1, 1.75 million bales. And those, uh, and those production drops uh, came in China, in India, and in Pakistan. Uh, China was lowered, uh, USDA lowered the China numbers by about 300,000 uh, bales, and both India and Pakistan's uh, production was lowered a half million bales in each country. Uh, but no real reaction on prices because uh, these reductions were pretty much anticipated. World mill use now projected at uh, 111.6 million bales. That's up slightly, uh, just a little over 1% from the crop year, or from last year's crop year, 
And that's actually a positive sign because consumption means demand is increasing a little bit. Uh, obviously, a 1% jump is, isn't going to make her, certainly isn't going to make the market, but it is a positive considering that global stocks and demands, uh, you know, may take a while. Uh, it may take a while for cotton to break out of the trading range that it's currently sitting in. And right now we're still, everyone's still firmly pointing to that 60 to 68 cent trading range. So uh, just those were the quick highlights from, uh, from USDA uh, this month. Uh, we'll see what happens as, uh, as we get into, uh, into the rest of the season and, uh, and certainly into, as we move into next season. Yeah, you know, Jim, I, I know you're ready to, <clears throat> to hop on to the next topic there, but I just wanted to, to interject there. I know that you said that these this reduction in final output from India and China, they didn't have an immediate impact on the market uh, because they were expected. And so, you know, the way the commodity markets work, if they were already taken into an account, then you're just not going to see a big bump the day that these things are announced. That said, it... There's no denying it. That's good news for the cotton market that there's going to be a million fewer bales on the market. There's no question. That's that's excellent news. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, when we're talking about trying to get this huge Chinese uh, uh, stocks down, trying to get the world supply-demand stocks right-sized, fewer bales is a good thing for U.S. cotton growers anyway you slice it. So even though you didn't see that you know, limit up that day, you know, in the coming year, that's that's going to matter. Well, I think you know one thing to keep in keep in mind in all this is we've everyone's been looking at at the production numbers coming out of China and out of India. India, of course, this year has taken over the uh, the top spot in the world in terms of cotton production, uh, as as China has moved everything to its western provinces, and and put some new policies in place. Uh, India had its issues with its annual monsoons and other weather conditions during the growing planting and growing season, but yet as, as recently as a month ago, we're still projecting some record yields uh, for the country. This really kind of, this report kind of brings things back to, uh, I won't say normal, but it sort of brings it back closer in line with where things were, have been for the past year in terms of India. They still have a, don't, no, make no mistake, they still have a ton of cotton to move, but they're also one of those countries that, uh, that uses a lot of their own, co- their own cotton uh, and have just rarely recently moved into the export market. So uh, again, we'll see what export demand looks like, we'll see what mill demand looks like as we move, uh, move into the last stages of this year and into early next year. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the next item I want to touch on, you know, obviously can have some impact on, on the, the cotton market. And that's looking at the, uh, the latest report from our good friends at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, better, well, better known as NOAA. NOAA. I would shorten it every time, NOAA. <laughs> well, you know, we just, you know, being the reporters, we have to go see what NOAA really stands you, you for. You did your journalistic duty there. Absolutely. I struggle getting that one, spitting it all out. So. What NOAA has basically done in, in the last couple of weeks is uh, they, they've issued their latest report on what they expect El Nino to bring to the U.S., this winter. Uh, what they're basically saying is this could be one of the strongest El Ninos in 18 years. It's still building. It's likely to be one of the three strongest on record by the time it peaks this winter. Uh, and, then, and then will, of course, weaken in the spring uh, and, and, as they say, disappear completely 
by late spring or early summer. But yet, in this winter, early spring period, it's expected to, uh, to have some fairly significant impact on certain parts of the country. Now we're sitting here, you know, as we're recording this today, we're looking at a forecast that, uh, that could be part of the front end of some of the El Ninos. Uh, I think we've had snow in the Rockies and in parts of, uh, of the mountains around California, which is great. We have, uh, we have rain and storms, unfortunately, forecast for, uh, for parts of the Southwest, including most of Texas and moving into the Mid-South. Uh, so again, you know, we're just, we're starting to see the early stages of, of all of this. But, uh, but here's, what, here's what NOAA says, basically, what you can look for in your, in, you know, in your areas. And quite honestly, most of the cotton belt is going to be impacted by, uh, by moisture this, uh, this winter. They're looking at, uh, at much wetter conditions from the southern U.S., basically from California all the way to the Carolinas and up parts of the East Coast. Uh, it's going to be, temperatures are going to be a little cooler than normal in the desert southwest, in the southern plains, and parts of the northern Gulf Coast. Uh, but basically what you're saying is you're going to see, if you're living in Central California, Arizona, New Mexico, anywhere in Texas, uh, Louisiana, southern Arkansas, uh, central to southern Mississippi and Alabama, south Georgia, and up into the Carolinas, you can expect uh, cooler temps and more moisture this winter. So that will uh, that should be a big boost. Now, for those of you in California, uh, NOAA is is sort of hedging their bets a little bit. Uh, if you're looking for some drought relief. Uh, you, they can't say for sure yet that there's going to be some significant rains ahead. The last time there was an El Nino, um, California did receive quite a bit of rainfall. Uh, I think it's encouraging that we're already seeing some snowfall in, uh, in that area, in those mountain areas, which is vitally important to replenishing water supplies. Uh, but quite honestly, you know, the strength of the El Nino is going to play a huge role in the uh, in the outcome on that, so uh, that's your weather forecast for the winter, and, right. and we'll just kind of keep tabs on it as we, as we move through the year and and see how accurate our friends at NOAA have been. There we go from your local meteorologist Jim Stebman. That's here. right. We, we appreciate. That's right. I am not a meteorologist. I don't play one on TV. That's right. Well, uh, very good, Jim. We appreciate the update for sure. Um, we want to transition now to. Uh, to a, a special segment that we're introducing this episode for the first time, and that is our Text and Expert program, where we are going to bring you an interview that we just conducted with uh, an agronomic expert, that is Dan Westberg. He is a regional tech services rep for BASF, and he has some interesting things to say. So stick around. We'll be right back with our interview with Dan. Okay, so welcome back. What we want to do now is to introduce a new segment um, of our podcast that we're excited to jump into. Uh, it's a portion of our, it's a part of, rather, I should say, uh, our Text and Expert campaign, which we've just recently started into along with our sponsors, BASF. And um, the concept of this of this campaign is, is pretty darn simple. It's, it, I love how simple it is, actually. 
essentially, if you have a challenge on your farm, if you have a problem that arises in the day-to-day management of your operation that's a real head-scratcher, we want you to text the question to us. And we are basically acting as a facilitator. We will put your questions in the hand of a either a local uh, extension agent or an agronomist somewhere who is a specialist in the question that you text to us. And we want to answer the thing for you. Um, we will provide answers on a number of different platforms. Uh, we, once a month, we will provide a page in, the, in each issue. Uh, we will choose one of your questions to feature there along with pairing it with a, an answer from an expert. And then uh, also we will provide uh, answers to your questions online. And occasionally we will do so on our podcast, which is the reason that you are hearing about it now. To enter the uh, to enter the program, it's fairly simple. Just whip out your cell phone, text uh, the word cotton to three one three one three one, and that will essentially initiate a back and forth from our automated message. They'll they'll send you a response that says, "Okay, you have our ear. Shoot us your question." At that point, you type your question in. Be sure to include your name and state, and we are going to uh, have your number in our system from there. There's also a cash prize element to this program. Everyone who enters the question will be entered into a monthly drawing for a $100 cash prize, courtesy of our sponsors from BASF, so that's a very important element to the program. Uh, But from my perspective, from an editorial perspective, we're just excited to see the types of challenges that you guys have on your farm from day to day and how we can go about helping you solve them. So to that end, I want to jump into our first question that we're going to feature on the podcast as part of our Text and Expert campaign. And it came to us from a cotton producer out in Amarillo, Texas. And he asked us, what is the answer for herbicide-resistant weeds that a farmer can afford without going broke in the process? And so to answer this question on our podcast today, we brought in an, an agronomic expert from sponsor BASF. We have Dan Westberg with us. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great. Excellent. Again, I thank you for, for joining me this morning. Um, I'm going to restate the question for you, and I want you to just dive right in. The question is, what is the answer for herbicide-resistant weeds that a farmer can afford without going broke in the process? Well, effective weed management will require a diverse approach. Depend upon, you know, the level of problem you have and the species that you're challenged with. You know, over the last 10 to 15 years, um, many growers over-relied upon the, the continuous use of glyphosate in a number of areas. We've created some resistant weed populations that have become extremely challenging. Um, obviously, out in the Texas area, Palmer amaranth over the last few years has really exploded. Uh, that's glyphosate resistant. In other areas of the country, we have Palmer amaranth as well in the Mid-South and the Southeast, and then water hemp throughout much of the Midwest, and then mare's tail, uh, which is common throughout the entire um, agriculture producing area, particularly where we have no-till. So what we need to do is get back to the basics of weed management, and we need a diverse approach, and that starts with using an effective pre-emergence herbicide so that you have a foundation of control down, and then coming back with your appropriate post-emergence herbicides. Now, depending upon the level of problem that a grower has, it may, in the short term, cost more money. Uh, There are no silver bullets anymore these days, and so we really have to, again, 
get back to the basics of using a uh, diversity in our weed control approach. Very good, Dan. I, I appreciate you there. I know that you guys uh, have a product that you are excited about introducing. Um, if we are to receive uh, a registration from USDA about uh, being able to use a dicamba product over the top in our cotton this year, BASF has a product that they are ready to introduce to our market. You're, you're welcome to talk a little bit about that if you'd like. Yes, uh, we will have Ingenia herbicide. That is our most advanced formulation of dicamba that really has been designed and tailored to meet the grower's needs for use in dicamba-tolerant cotton. Uh, this is a solo product offer, so a grower will have a lot of flexibility to mix or match with uh, whatever version of glyphosate or other herbicides that he wants to tank mix uh, with that to, in order to get you know, season-long control. So we are focused on the post-emergence use pattern of Ingenia herbicide in cotton, in dicamba-tolerant cotton, and you know, pending registration of the active ingredient, uh, we will be launching that this next year. It will provide excellent control of glyphosate-resistant weeds such as Palmer amaranth, uh, mare's tail, uh, water hemp, uh, ragweed species, all of those broadleaf weed species that are really challenging uh, growers out in the marketplace. And just a little bit about the basics, we will be targeting uh, four inch or less uh, Palmer amaranth. Um, also on the other weeds as well, that four inch target. So it needs to be a planned approach. And we are talking about utilizing an effective pre-emergence herbicide down to start the season off strong, start clean, and then follow up effectively with Ingenia herbicide to, to clean up those challenging uh, glyphosate resistant broadleaf weeds. Very good, Dan. We sure appreciate your response, your being with us this morning, and uh, we look forward to continuing this program with BASF, continuing it with our readers and our listeners, and uh, we will be consulting you again soon, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we certainly appreciate uh, Dan Westberg joining us for that text and expert segment. We want to transition now into another interview that we conducted. Uh, we spoke with Bill Robertson, formerly of the National Cotton Council, currently with uh, Arkansas Extension, and he is the go-to guy when you're talking about the Beltwide Cotton Conferences, the premier event for uh, U.S. cotton on the national level. This year, it's going to go down in New Orleans, January 5 through 7, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, so we are. We will be there with bells on. We hope to see you there, and Bill is going to tell us more about it as we dive into this interview we conducted with him recently. So stick around. Cotton Grower Magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Since 1970... Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed. 
right, so hello again. Uh, as most of you are well aware, the Beltwide Cotton Conferences are one of the biggest events of the calendar year in our industry. I mean, no doubt about it. We, we want to discuss that this year's version uh, with an expert on the subject. We are here with Mr. Bill Robertson. He uh, is a man who wears many hats. In fact, so many that I'm not even going to attempt to uh, give you his official title at the moment. But one of those hats is uh, serving as a sort of director of ceremonies for this event, the Beltwide Cotton Conferences. He's done that for many years now, for as long as I've been covering the event. So, uh, Bill, can you help me out here? Help me uh, in explaining your involvement, your title, and sort of your uh, uh, role in producing this event, the Beltwide Cotton Conferences. Well, thanks, Beck. I'm uh, currently with the University of Arkansas Division of Ag. I'm the state cotton specialist. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the different hats have been involved in the Beltwide ever since I was in grad school back in uh, uh, 1987 was my first Beltwide. But since the inception of the Consultants Conference, I've been highly involved in developing the program. And once I left the council, they asked me to continue uh, to to provide leadership to the Consultant Conference. And I also help uh, the National Cotton Council put together the CE program for the Beltwide. Very good, very good. So let's talk about this year's Beltwide Cotton Conferences then. Uh, the basics are simple enough. The event will take place in New Orleans on January 5 through 7 at the New Orleans Marriott Hotel. Um, Bill, aside from me eating entirely too much good New Orleans cuisine, uh, can you tell <laughs> us what uh, what all is in store at this year's event? Yeah, Beck, uh, in January, uh, the Beltwide is in, in January 5 through 7. It's a Tuesday through Thursday conference. You know, a lot of times, you know, it's a, it's a it, it starts on Monday, but this year starts on a Tuesday. Anyway, the, the first day on Tuesday, on the 5th, we'll have the consultants conference starting in the afternoon. And basically, that's going to be composed of new developments from industry. Uh, I think the biggest thing on there are new varieties. That's always a big hit. Uh, people like to hear the new things. And, and, you know, we've got some new technologies that are coming out. And, uh, you know, I've tested some of the varieties in Arkansas and, uh, you know, some of the ExtendFlex varieties, not only just from Delta Pine, but, but some of our other companies have looked really good in our testing. So I'm excited about having uh, new varieties that with the new technology that are high yielding. So I'm looking forward for information from the seed companies on that with uh, the new varieties. And then, you know, that'll be the first afternoon. Uh, the second day on the 6th, we'll have our consultant conference uh, start first thing that morning at 8 o'clock, and it'll conclude at noon. But that morning, the uh, the weed guys have a program put together, the, the weed control conference. And basically, uh, they've got an hour on the program. And they're going to talk about the new technologies, the ExtendFlex and, and the Enlist program. And so two, two great new tools that are coming down the road. You know, how do we use them? What do we do to keep products where we want them and, and not stump or toe? Because <laughs> that's, that's really a concern that everybody has, where they fit and where they don't fit. Uh, look, maybe, uh, you know, down the road we can look at, you know, the economics of how they fit and where, the, you know, where they go together. Uh, following that, the entomologists are, have another hour on the program. And, uh, you know, there's some some issues with uh, insect control. I think they're looking at presenting a couple of papers on uh, thrips control, uh, one geared more toward the southeast, the other geared toward more toward the, the mid-south. And then they're also going to look at some of the issues that we're having with uh, with bollworms. And so I think they have a really good program that, 
that's really going to target, you know, our our, our audience that, that we want to try to reach for the consultant conference. It's the crop consultants, but you know, Beck, it's also open to producers, uh, extension extension agents, extension specialists, and in and in our private industry, our you know everybody that's out in the field that that help make help the producers make the best decisions they can. You know, everybody that's involved in the decision making process. There's a lot of information out there. But anyway, the, the bug guys and the weed guys are going to take us to break. After break, uh, the Agronomy and Physiology Conference together with the, uh, the, the plant uh, management and soil nutrition, the, the, the Agronomy guys and the Plant Nutrition and Soil Management Conference folks are, are going to finish that morning out uh, with topics uh, ranging from variety testing, you know, the cotton specialists across the belt look at varieties, uniform variety tests, and there's going to be some information on that. There's going to be uh, some information on our belt-wide uh, regional potassium study. I know uh, producers, you know, our, our potash recommendations, I know in the Mid-South are certainly something that we're looking at, especially back in the environment where we're trying, you know, we're shooting for three and a half, four bale cotton. You know, wh- how much potassium do we need to have? That is a question that, that I don't know that I know the exact answer on. So we're trying to work on things like that. There's a lot of interest in UAVs. There's a lot of interest in irrigation scheduling. And so they're going to look at trying to address some of those issues. And then after lunch, the participants of the consultant conference uh, have the flexibility to float around to some of the other conferences. I know there's some very applied papers uh, that they're going to contain a lot of information in the WEED conference and in some of the other conferences that they're going to try to stage in a way that people coming out of the consultants conference can go to that afternoon. I know there's a, uh, just working with Bear Crop Science. I know they're looking at submitting a paper on uh, uh, glufosinate, how to manage that. Because that using glufosinate or Liberty is that's a very important tool that we have to keep working for us. We cannot lose that. And so there's I think there's going to be a number of papers uh, addressing that technology and how to keep that uh, a viable tool for us down the road. So I think we've got a lot of really good information. The consultant conference. It's for the consultants, but for producers, extension, industry, for everybody. So I think uh, I think our conference shares have put together a good conference. All right. So, Bill, I know for my purposes, that first session of the event, uh, the one that's focused on new products that are being introduced to the cotton industry, that's always very entertaining, very informative for me. Yeah. Can you give us a little preview about what we'll have in store there uh, this year? Yeah, the the first day of the, of the conference, the fifth that, that afternoon, that's Tuesday afternoon. That's really our new development from industry. So there'll be new new varieties, uh, new chemistries, new technologies. I know there's going to be some papers on some new apps. Uh, we have an app in Arkansas for uh, looking at nodes above white flower, establishing your last effective bowl population. You know, what's the last? What are the last bowls that are going to contribute significantly to yield and profit? And then we base our end-of-season decisions on, on the, our last money bowls. Uh, I know uh, Tennessee has a, a paper submitted on an, an irrigation app. And so there's a number of new technology things like that that are going to be part of that, of that uh, first afternoon session. Folks in the cotton industry, this is, you know, you know, this is where a lot of companies roll out new technologies, uh, new varieties. And you know, we have a rich history of that, and, and we're going to, you know, it looks, you know, we're continuing that history. And so this is this is the this is you know if you're in cotton this is the meeting to be. Okay, Bill. Well, we sure appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Uh, we know you're a busy guy. 
And we are going to be looking forward to seeing you in New Orleans, January 5 through 7 at the New Orleans Marriott Hotel. Oh, thank you very much. I know this is a great conference. Uh, uh, New Orleans and San Antonio, we've been kind of a rotation there. New Orleans is a fun place to go. Uh, a lot of good information, uh, a, a lot of things to learn, and then a uh, uh, good place to relax after the meetings. Very good. We thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, that will just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion Podcast. We thank you. My goodness, we thank you for joining us uh, again. We hope that you enjoy what you're hearing out of the Cotton Companion Podcast. And if you do, by all means, tell your friends about us. You guys are the greatest uh, sort of marketing tool that we have. We know that you speak with your with your farming buddies early and often. Uh, if you're having a coffee with them, Uh, in the coming mornings, let them know about the Cotton Companion podcast and where they can find it. In fact, here's what you can tell them about where to find it. Uh, Just go to cottongrower.com and search for the Cotton Companion in our search bar, and you can find an archive of all of our previous episodes. Or you can subscribe to our channel on iTunes if you are that uh, advanced in your smartphone usage. I'm getting there, slowly but surely. But yeah, we have our own channel on iTunes Simply search for the Cotton Companion Podcast and you'll find us there. Uh, Another great way for you to be receiving our podcast is to subscribe to our weekly e-newsletter. That's something that Jim works hard each week to produce. There's a lot of valuable cotton info packed into those e-newsletters that arrive in your mailboxes on Tuesday mornings. So you can do that by going to cottongrower.com, scrolling to the bottom of the page, and you will find uh, the link to subscribe to our e-newsletter there. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please go ahead, subscribe, and leave us a rating to let us know what you think of our podcast. Um, You can do the same on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter, and on Facebook you can find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, You will find our latest issue, the previously mentioned uh, Cotton Grower Annual, in your mailboxes at the end of this month, the end of November, beginning of December. And uh, we hope you'll like it. Like I say, we are proud of it. This podcast is produced by Mr. Mark Antonelli, who works there at the Mothership, Meister Media Worldwide, in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I will be back with you in two weeks. We promise we'll be back in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Uh, For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stepman, we urge you to... uh, Have a happy end of harvest season. Best of luck to you as you venture out into those deer stands and uh, enjoy the off season. Kick your feet up. Uh, We will be back with you in two short weeks.